Welcome back to Real Voices of the Game production. I'm Dave D'Agostino, and I'm joined by my Hall of Fame co-host, America's most beloved sports writer, Kevin Kernan. And this is the Coach and Kernan Show, our flagship show, our very first show. This is episode 119. Just kind of a reminder before I introduce our guest, and, and kind of want to get Kevin's take on the Super Bowl a little bit last night and his most recent article with Ball 9. But I want to remind our subscribers, we're up to 11,700 today, subscribers. Make sure to download, listen, like, subscribe on Apple, Amazon, Spotify, or Stitcher. You can find us on Twitter, on Facebook, on Instagram. Uh, we're putting a post out a day on Facebook based on your questions asked, and we appreciate the direct messages, inboxes full every morning on ideas. Uh, but but with that, uh, before we introduce our, our guest who has a new book coming out and has been is a repeat guest now, Kevin, I want to welcome you back to your show and kind of get your thoughts last night on that Super Bowl. I know we we're both watching. I followed you on Facebook to see where you were had the festivities going on. And uh, talk about your most recent article with Ball 9. Yeah, Super Bowl was okay. It was pretty good. You know, I, I, I really don't have a lot of thoughts about the Super Bowl because it is um, it is what it is. It's, it's a cultural event now. It's not a football game. And, um, you know, I, I didn't like to call it the end, even though it was probably the, the right call. But, uh, you know, holding in that situation. Too much uh, instant replay in the Super Bowl. Um, Mahomes is great. Hertz is great, uh, but I, I just think that the Super Bowl is so big now that it doesn't even doesn't even feel like a sports event anymore, and and uh, and, and that that's what we're getting. And but people love it, you know. You're never gonna rip down the NFL, you know what it is, Dave. And uh, essentially, the Super Bowl is all about competition. The NFL is all about competition, and and there's a real hunger for competition. Uh, in the world today because everything seems to be so preordained or whatever set up or whatever's going on. So I think that's the secret to the NFL success. It's men battling other men. Uh, you never know what's going to happen. And uh, that's, that's really, uh, that's really what uh, the NFL is all about. It's one of the few places where you can get that kind of entertainment anymore. Um too much glitz for me, but I'm old school. And uh, as for my latest article, I basically broke down spring training, real real questions about teams that um, and real real answers too about what they're doing. And and the key team that I'm watching, um, you know, spring is sprung is the name of it on Ball Nine. And the key that one of the key teams I'm watching is Bruce Bochy with the Rangers because they're hiring veteran, kind of what our guests will talk about later. But they're hiring veteran. Uh, veteran baseball people across the board, even if they have younger managers in the minor league to help those guys along, that's their bench coaches. They've, they've reinstituted, uh, reinstituted uh, infield at least three days a week. Chris Young has done that. And, and uh, that goes for Corey Seager and everybody else. And, and, and uh, you're getting back to some baseball, old school baseball, which I think blends right into where we're going here. Yeah, no, I, I, I like that too. It'll, it'll be a great team to watch. Chris Young, I think is becoming a, a fine front office guy and uh, people forget he was, he was a very good pitcher, but he was also a very good college basketball player. Uh, yes. Center of Princeton. Yes. Yes. Center of Princeton. And uh, so he, he can navigate both worlds, but he knows it's, yeah, it's still all about, it's still all about competition. It's still Isn't that funny that it's, it's, it's a novel approach that they have to take infield three times. Three Isn't times it, it's ridiculous for the most part. For the most part, how does this happen anymore? <laughs> you know, even with the Super Bowl, getting back to it real quick, 
you know, the, the uh, Andy Reid is great great at making adjustments. He made adjustments at halftime. The Eagles didn't really uh, respond. They kind of sat on it a little bit, and uh, that's what happens, you know. Um, uh, you know, so so it always comes back to fundamentals. I mean, the the silly fumble by Hertz, uh, you know that that's that's a classic mistake because you're not doing your fundamentals right. Nobody will talk about it except on our show. But, you know, if he, if, he, if, he, if he does that, he's a great player, don't get me wrong, but if he just is a little bit more, um, you know, doing it the right way there, that doesn't happen. You don't give them seven points and you're up, uh, you're, you know, at halftime you're up 17. Big, big different world there. It is. And late in the game, Mahomes had a big scramble. Yes. He saw him dangling that ball, and all of a sudden you could see him tuck it. He put it straight to that chest. He was less concerned about how fast he was going and more concerned about that, that pigskin under his arm. Well, the Mahomes, with my final comment, um, I remember him being a little kid around the Mets. He, he, you know, his dad and the other players taught him the right way. Uh, he was always about shagging flies. He's just a great athlete, seems to be a great person, and most of all, a great competitor. Yeah, it was a lot of fun. I, I I agree with you, though. It's too much glitz and glamour for me. I love the picture they showed at the beginning of the game, the coin toss. The very first coin toss I had, there was four people out there, the two captains, actually, and the two referees, the six. The one last night had about 600 people out there, songs. Yeah, it's just, uh, and, uh, and uh, also it's nice to hear uh, Chris Stapleton, I thought, did a wonderful job at the National Anthem. Yeah, well, he, he, a lot of people were, were emotionally moved by that that uh, performance. So I agree um, with that. Now I know we, we, our guest was probably ready to jump out of his chair. We started talking about infield practice only three days away today on our show. It's our episode 119. It is a repeat guest and uh, we're glad to have him back. The author of old school, uh, which is a book about the evolution of America's pastime. What happened to the game? I love there's a forward by Tony LaRussa in it. And he has a fielding, an ultimate training guide for infielders, how to field a ground ball. 10-year Major League veteran, three-time World Series champion, 72, 73, 74 with the Oakland A's, uh, getting ready to author a new book, a children's book, and that's partially why we have him here today. I want to welcome Ted Kubiak back to the show. Ted, welcome back. Thank you, Dave. Thank you, Dave. Good to hear you, Kevin. Good to be with you, Ted. Always a pleasure to speak to someone who uh, really uh, understands the game at such a deep level. Well, yeah, it's uh, it's nice to hear that they're going to take infield again. That's for sure. But uh, you know, the game certainly has changed. I know I listen to all your shows, and so I listen to all of these guys that you're interviewing. It's amazing how everybody realizes that the guys running the game are just different these days. You know, the game is fine. The game is great. I still love baseball, but how it's run is just absurd. You know, I, 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 I'm going to let uh, Dave ask some questions, but I don't. I want to jump in off of that comment simply because I think uh, I think that's the bottom line. And, and I've been saying this for years, Ted, that the problem with the game is not the game. The game's wonderful still. No, yeah. They screwed up, and Dr. Frankenstein Man, Manfred, who I referred to in my latest column with the, the new rule changes and everything. Yeah. And, I, and later, I want to ask you about the the uh, throwing over to first base and stuff like that, how, how you would approach that. Uh, but I think, and I've been saying this for a while, and people thought I was absolutely insane. I say the only problem with baseball is the people in charge of baseball don't know baseball. It's really that simple. And and you're now getting a generation of writers, uh, a, a generation yeah. of front yeah. office people who really, I'm going to take it one step further. They don't know competition. Yeah. They don't 
deal with competition. Mm-hmm. They, you know, they're Ivy League guys. They may have sat on the bench somewhere, but they're not really uh, competitive. Um, Chris Young was an Ivy League guy, but he, you know, I've had many conversations when he was a player. That he's a super competitive guy, and, and co- competition is lost. And uh, uh, be, uh, let me give you one quick example: the teams tanking all the time, trying to get draft picks. When really, uh, you know, that works to some degree, but you can't do it all that way. The competition level is a joke, and the fans are disgusted with it. And baseball better be careful, careful, because I'm telling you, right now, pickleball is coming on strong. <laughs> well, I, 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 I was coaching when all of this transition began because I saw all of these guys coming out of college with their diplomas you know, under their arm and bringing their computers into the front office. So I saw that gradual transition and it was very, very obvious the direction it was headed. They didn't want to hear anything about the old game. They didn't want to hear anything from us old guys. They were just going to take the game in whatever direction they wanted to go. They thought they were correct. They thought they were right. And you can't deter them. You can't oh. deter them. I mean, they're, they're dumbing down the game now with all these rule changes. I mean, why do we need a base that's what is it, three feet square now? I don't know how big it is. You know. Yeah, it's it's uh it's a lot bigger, and uh, I can't wait till somebody trips on it and blames. Yeah, it's uh, amazing. I'm, I don't know what they think they're helping. I, I don't. I don't know. I don't know. Yeah. But they don't know where to take the game. They don't know how to even work guys out anymore. You know, they don't know what to do with the player, and and the players. I mean, why is a player going to gonna want to go out and work if you're going to pay me $10 million, $20 million, and you don't care what I do? Why am I going to go out there? Now, I'm sure there's a lot of guys that really are dedicated. Don't get me wrong. Yes. There's a lot of great players. But overall, there are no players that they're – they can't find players. They can't find good infielders. You know, you've got millions and millions of youngsters – High school guys, college guys, even maybe older guys who go to clinics, camps, and schools, and they're trying to be or they're being taught how to field a ground ball. Why is it so hard to find somebody in the big leagues who can who can field one? <laughs> it, it's it doesn't make sense. Something's not right. Ted, Ted, talk about what you're seeing right now with fielding and how you go about it, because you have a very unique style. Um, you won't say it, but I will. Uh, I haven't come across somebody who teaches it like you do. So uh, sh- share that with our audience. What's your approach to You know, I taught myself. I didn't, we didn't have instructors, okay? I started playing in 1961. I didn't know what I was doing when I came out of high school. I just caught the ball. It, I wasn't doing it right. I knew I was doing something wrong, but I didn't know what it was. So for about two years, I studied everything that I was doing. But I was paying attention to what my head had to do, what my upper body weight had to do, what kind of the turn of a foot would affect the movement one way or the other. How could I drive myself a little bit harder? I didn't worry about the fundamentals because all those fundamental drills that you you see being taught, everybody, they come into play when I'm working with my guys and I'm teaching them how to maneuver to get in the right position to field the ball. So I didn't worry about any of the fundamentals at all because everybody's different anyway. I'm going to get them to where they should be for their athleticism, 
in order to make it work best for them. So I taught all my players during the times that I would roll them ground balls or hit them ground balls. I usually started off rolling, rolling it to them because it makes it easier for them. And we worked on just different movements, different steps, different turns of the body, uh, a different drive with your upper body weight, a different length of stride, all stuff like that. And I, it just made things work better for, for, the, for the players, I think. What do you mean by your head? You said you get your head in position. Well, if you, I, I know once you're in a position and ready to move for a ball, it's going to be hit. You're probably going to be in a little bit of a crouch, not, not a lot, but you're going to be ready to spring one way or the other. The you level know. that your head is at at that particular point should never go up. From that point there, it goes down to the point that the ball is fielded. Now, that's a gradual uh, lessening of your height as far as your posture goes. But what you're doing then is you're actually driving yourself towards the ball, getting to the point where you're going to field the ball in a triangular fielding position. So your head is the first thing to move. You don't realize it. But it is. And the head leads to the upper body weight. And the upper body weight helps the range, helps you move better. It, it spreads out your territory. It increases your stride. All of that. I like that. What, what about the phrase, charge the ball? You used one yesterday. It's unnecessary. I think it gets kids in trouble. Uh, you don't need to charge the ball. In fact, if you watch major league infielders, most of them don't even move forward for the ball. I mean, a routine ball. Yeah, you're going to have to move forward a little bit, but when you, when, you, when you start teaching young kids to charge the ball, they're usually going too fast. They can't control themselves. They're out of whack. They're out of balance. They mess up the timing. They mess up their rhythm. You're better off slowing down. Teach somebody how to catch, how to field the ground ball by slowing them down. And then let them pick up the pace as they understand what they have to do. So, you used the phrase "sneak up on the ball," right? That's is that the yeah. Well, that's um, and I, I mentioned I, that's what triggered uh, me helping Kevin Kuzminov. I know I talked to you about that. Um, imagine yourself sneaking up behind somebody trying to scare them. You know, you're in kind of a a semi crouch. And that's how you really should approach a ground ball. You're talking about charging the ball. All you're doing is sneaking up on it. Now, it may only be one or two steps. It may not be any step. You know, it may be a couple of steps more. So they're all, it's all different depending on the speed of the ball, speed of the runner, you know, your own positioning and, you know, whoever else you are, whatever else has to be done. But there's a lot of little things that you have to consider in order to get in the right position and field the ball. Let's throw two, two more fielding concepts at you and turn it over to Kevin. Um, bad hops and two hands. Um, I never considered a bad hop. The reason being is because the only bad hop that you should get, oh, excuse me, that you should get uh, occurs because of the field. 
It was up to me to keep from getting a bad hop by the way I maneuvered to the ball. And that was my responsibility. So I never even considered anything being a bad hop, never looked for a bad hop. I always looked for the right way to catch the ball, the right position or the right point that I wanted to catch, catch the ball. So a bad hop to me was non-existent. I didn't, I never even considered it. You know, once in a while you get a bad hop because of the, you know, the minor league fields that I'd be playing on or whatever. But, you know, you haven't, you can't control that at all. But otherwise, you know, once I got my glove on the ball, I thought I should be able to make an out. Is it about your feet or your hands? More mm-hmm. important. Is it more important? Is, are you, what are, what's more important, your feet or your hands in terms of getting to a ball, fielding a ball? I think your feet are probably the most important because that positions everything. That controls everything that your body does and it controls your hands. It, it causes soft hands. You know, it, it's what it, what's run it, what run you it's what runs you as an infielder you know the right kind of footwork the right kind of steps strides leans pushes all of that it it all works together in order to put together some kind of maneuver that's going to get you to the ball um in the proper position to catch it in between your feet in between your feet okay not off to your left foot or off to your right foot directly in between your feet so that you're balanced and under good control what about your first step when you when the ball is right about to make contact? You're reading it off the bat. First step in, back, left, right. It depends where the ball's hit. Now you're getting into a point here where we need to talk about reading the ball off the bat. Yeah. It's a whole other thing. Um, the step that you take initially is determined by where the ball is pitched, the swing that is made by the hitter, what kind of hitter you have up at the plate, what do you think he can do with that pitch that's being thrown to him? If the pitch is thrown where it's supposed to be thrown, usually and I got to a point where I could read read the swing such that I had a first step. So I could be going laterally. I'm, I'm not going to get a gigantic big stride. No, it may only be, you know, a, a little bit of a turn of the foot and a lean in the right direction. Maybe sometime I did have a full step. Maybe sometimes I didn't. I didn't worry about moving forward for the ball at all. That just that just came naturally. After you take thousands of ground balls, I mean, all that stuff just happens. But the first step is important only when you're going laterally. That step, especially if you have to go a long distance, has got to be strong, it's got to be hard, and it's got to be followed up by another hard step. Because it's that beginning step, the movement of your head downward, the upper body weight that you're going to be driving left or right, that's really going to increase your range. And that's the only way you can do it. The opening step laterally should be made by the foot going in the direction that you want to go. In other words, if I'm going to go to my left, my left foot turns out first at about a 90 degree angle. And it's, there's a little bit of a stride there. That's followed up by a strong crossover step. I'm going to go to the right. It's the other way, man. The right foot opens up a little bit. There's a little bit of a step made. And then my left foot crosses over hard to get me driving in that direction. So pretty simple. There's really no tricks to it. But that's a very difficult thing for infielders to do, I find. I have a hard time teaching them that. 
So what do you think about all these drills behind that? Just wanted, we just want to make the cross all the step. What do you think of all these drills being done on, on the internet on the knees? I know they serve some function, but what are your thoughts on them? On the knees? No, no need to be on your knees. You don't feel the ball on your knees, do you? <laughs> not me. That doesn't make sense. No, listen, baseball's not tricky, especially teaching somebody infield play. Be on your feet. Do what you have to do in order to feel the ball. I'll correct you as you move around. But gimmicks don't work. I don't care whether it's hitting, pitching, you know, fielding, whatever. Gimmicks don't work. I saw so many so many hitting uh, devices come into spring training. It was unbelievable. <laughs> None of them work. None of them work. You know, they look good and they sell good maybe. Maybe somebody's making money with them. But, you know, there, there are no tricks to the game at all, no, no matter where you are. Like pitching. You're talking pitching. Learn to throw a fastball. Learn to control it. Throw it to the four quadrants. Move it around. If I have a good fastball and if I have a good changeup, I'm going to be a good pitcher. I should be anyway. But, you know, they don't want to do that. I, I used to go out to the mound and tell my – I told one pitcher, I said, I don't want you throwing a breaking ball. I don't want it. I want your fastball and changeup. I go back in the dugout and I look the first pitch, slider. You know, they're afraid. They're afraid of getting hit. You can't be afraid of getting hit if you're a pitcher. That's well, that competitive thing that Kevin was talking about early on. And there's a lot of money to be made in confusion. I think that's a problem with our game yeah. today. Yeah. So, Kevin, go ahead. You want to get get on on some rule changes and, and whatnot too? Yeah. Well, first of all, Ted, I don't know if you realize it, but I I'm just, I was uh, born just up the road uh, in Rawway, New Jersey. I know. Yeah. 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 So at the, at that hospital, and uh, and when you when you were talking to Dave there about thousands of ground balls. I was thinking to myself, you know, we grew up in an era where you took maybe thousands of ground balls a summer, right? Just playing with, no with your buddy. Absolutely. And, and that's playing eight hours a day. I mean, that's what we did. That's what you did. And I, I think that's the biggest – if I had to say one thing that I've noticed about especially fielding through the years is I think that's the biggest change. The guys don't work on it nearly enough. I was watching – I watched a uh, thing the other day where it was pretty interesting. It was Ron Washington working with the new, the kid uh, Grissom, Vaughn Grissom, I think his name is, uh, yeah. with, the, with the Braves. They're, they're trying to make him the shortstop to replace Dansby Swanson. And 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 the kid is a hard worker. I, I could tell right away, great kid, hard worker. But I was stunned by his lack of infield knowledge. Um, the, the player I'm talking about, not Ron. Right. And how Ryan had to go through basics with these things, and and to me, that's a that's a that's a that's that's a criticism of not only the player, but he didn't take enough of those because they all spend their time hitting, but also of the development. Why? How, why is he learning to field the ground ball in the major leagues? You know, you can refine it, retool it, do better, but it's like it was like square one, and um, so I think that the. That this is what they have gotten by getting rid of guys like you times a hundred times a thousand uh, that would teach that stuff in the minor leagues and and because they have no clue and I'm talking about the people in charge of what they were looking at so so when you were when you were dealing with your minor leaguers uh, and I'll make this question even simpler for a young player a really young player you know 12 13 14 
What what would be the biggest thing you would tell him uh, about fielding a ground ball? And also for those softball players out there, what would you tell that young infielder? I spent 25 years as a professional infield coach. I didn't have one infielder come through my through my method of instruction who knew what the hell they were doing. None, <laughs> of, them. None of them. None of them. I believe it. You have to teach them everything. And I'm not talking about major things. When you're talking about making somebody a big league infielder, you're talking about little minute things. Like you're talking about, you're asking me about the head. Okay. I was over in Taiwan teaching, teaching them over there. And I started talking to them about the head and the infield coach said, why? Nobody ever talks about it. I said, well, let me show you something. Let me show you something. Have your guy do it this way. And then let's do it my way. He said, oh my God, what a difference. Well, yeah, it's very subtle, but infielders, Players basically, and I don't care who they are, I was a little anal, I guess, in the way I studied the ground ball myself. I wanted to know everything I had to do in order to master it, to to take charge of it. I didn't want the ball to take charge of me. So when I'm teaching my infielders, the first thing I'm going to do is, all I'm going to do is get them out there and start rolling the ball to them. I'm not going to hit them to them. I'm going to roll them to them. Maybe I'll hit them to them. But I start watching what they're doing, and I see their deficiencies. I see their limitations. So this limitation, uh, this guy may have this limitation. This guy's got a different limitation. They're all different. You got to be able to pick it out. You got to be able to find it. And I call them trigger points. Trigger points are the things that really cause problems. So one trigger point may may solve a number of problems. But you got to find out what the right trigger point is. So it's a matter of me as an infield instructor knowing what I'm looking for, seeing what a guy's capable of doing, and not everybody can be a good infielder. They don't all bend over the same way. Some of them don't want to bend over. Some of them don't have any. Some of them aren't even quick. So you got to work with them. You got to figure out. Okay, how do I get this guy to do that? And they're all going to rise to their own level. They're all going to go as far as they can go, and that's it. You can't get them any farther than that. So from day one, I'm able to tell whether I have a major league infielder or not. Now, he may have what I think is major league ability. Am I going to be able to get him there? I don't know because I don't know what he's capable of growing into. I don't know how much I can push him, but we find that out soon enough. You know, But there's very, very few guys who come into the professional game, who are professional major league infielders or ready to be a major league infielder. Well, and that takes work that you're talking about. And I think, again, the priorities are wrong. So they're they're studying different stuff instead of studying the infield play. And, of course, this brings us – well, first of all, I want to ask you, what's the name of the book you're doing with with the kids? What's the title of it? All I'm, all I'm doing, Kevin, is I'm going to take my little uh, notebook, that is my How to Field the Ground Ball booklet, the 52 pages, 18,000 words, and I'm putting it into a childish form. Okay. In other words, right now what I've got is 42 pages. Each page will have an instructed text, and I've got a coach uh, that I used to have who was a great artist. Mm. I'm asking him to do a little bit of a cartoon figure of an infielder that's going to depict that particular instructive text that I'm writing. So it's a little different. 
I'm going to be covering things that are not covered in other books, of course. I don't know what the title is going to be yet, but I want to, I want to incorporate uh, a professional, the word professional somehow in there. Sure. At least to pinpoint the fact that it's not your typical internet cartoon, you know, let's go out and kill ground balls on our knees. Yeah, there's some depth to it and some yeah. seriousness to it. And, uh, yeah, so it's almost like this wouldn't be a title, of course, but it's kind of like uh, Tai Chi for infielders. You know, you're really yeah, great. Yeah, yeah, something weird. I don't know. I don't know what that's going to be yet. I, I don't know. And, I don't and, have any concept yet of the cover either. I've got a lady that did my cover to the uh-huh. other books, uh, but she's not a graphic artist. Um, so I think my guy, I think my coach is going to be able to do the cover for me. Um, I'm sure he'll do something that's going to be kind of fun to look at, you know, just, just, right. make, just make fielding a ground ball, give it a little bit of pizzazz, you know, let these kids see something different maybe. Well, it sounds like too, that you'll have something where the young players can just, you know, obviously read at home, but they can also yeah. just take it to the, take it to the, take it to the yard and work exactly, on it. Exactly. Exactly. That's, that's why I'm going to keep it in the same size. You know, just pocket, pocket size. So. Yeah, that's, that's a great idea. And uh, th- that brings us to the um, MLB now and the latest latest craze, uh, you know, infielders on the dirt. How do you see it playing out with no shift and, and what's going to happen with second baseman and shortstops? And uh, will there be a new will there be a new cry for people like uh, Ted Kubiak to teach the guys the right way? I don't think that'll happen because they don't know what to do with us. I mean, they don't know what to do with their infielders. You know, if you look at the way the shifts were, we we used to we used to shift. Hell, Dick Green used to play right field for us sometimes. Yep. You know, as a second baseman, so we moved around. They just exaggerated it, and to be honest with you, I never. I thought those shifts were or should be legal, there's, there's nothing that says you can't play in a certain position. They're changing the rules now because they think it's really hurt the game. It's not what's really hurt the game. They're not teaching the game. They don't make the guys do anything. Who can exactly. steal the base? Who can bunt? You know, why didn't, why didn't all these hitters just slap the ball the other way? Because they're dumb. They didn't want. Why do you want to? Why would you not take advantage of that? I, I don't know. That's that's how that's how one track minded we get. Mm-hmm. You know, we, we're going to try and change the rules of the game. Going back to what I said before, there's nothing tricky about this game, and they're trying to trick us now into thinking they know what they're doing, and we're going to make the game better all of a sudden. It's not going to happen. No, it's going to be a disaster, I think, in uh, in a lot of ways. And 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 again, even something small, <clears throat> excuse me, something small like the pitch timer, you could just teach your pitchers to work faster. Why do you need a pitch timer? Exactly. You know, <laughs> why doesn't a pitching coach say, "Listen, you're going to be a better pitcher if you get it"? You guys have had Jim Conn on. That's the way he pitched. Exactly. That's exactly. And he actually changed his way later in his career to be more effective. So let's go. Uh, this happened 25 years ago. Let's figure this out. I used to tell my pitchers when I was managing, I said, get the ball and throw it. The faster you throw it in between pitches, the more you're going to make that hitter think. You may throw the same pitch over and over and over again. 
but you're going to play tricks with his mind because you're speeding up the whole process. I mean, there's a mind game involved here, too. Well, before we go back to Dave, I want one more about, uh, I think you said something very interesting, and I've had this argument and discussion for years. They don't throw the fastball. No. I mean, I, I wrote a column recently for Ball 9 called Fastballs Forever. They don't throw the fastball. They're afraid to throw the fastball. Exactly. Even a guy like uh, the Yankees picked up Tommy Canely this year. You know, he wants to trick you. He brings everybody to 3-2 before you know it. Throw the fastball, get people out, right. and move on. And right. uh, uh, but but get if you don't know what you're doing, I guess it's hard to do do the right thing. Well, pitchers are afraid they're going to hit somebody these days too. They've almost legis- legislated throwing at anybody out of the game. You know, I mean, yes. it still happens. But I've had pitchers tell me, "No, I I can't throw inside. I might hit the guy." So what? So what? You know, so what? Well, I think it's back to we're so soft as a society right now, especially in baseball. Uh, you know what? And that, that's you sort of talking before about how you used to play and I used to play and probably Dave did too as a youngster. You learn so much by being on a field for, you know, six, eight hours a day. You learn the game. You learn different things. You learn how to keep yourself safe. You learn how to slide. Mm-hmm. You learn how to dive for a ball. They can't do that now. They practice sliding in spring training, what, one day? When it rains. Yeah. Guys, <laughs> guys don't know how to slide. They can't even play the ball off the wall properly. All of those, there's so many drills you could do. You're talking about, you know, the Rangers taking votes may have them taking um, infield now three days a week. There's so many drills you could do. You could drive players crazy, but they need to work. Well, I say if a team, and I'll I'll toss it to Dave, but my comment is this. If one team had the guts to do it the right way and force these guys to work, you get rid of the guys that don't want to work, you move them out. Especially to me, it's a perfect experiment for a team team like the Pittsburgh Pirates who don't have the money. They don't have this. They make excuses. The owner doesn't want to win. The owner doesn't care. So you make that – you go back to Branch Rickey's Pirates or whatever, or Branch yeah. Rickey with the Dodgers, and you create an infield uh, drills, you create outfield drills, you create hitting drills, you create bunting drills, and all of a sudden you play baseball yeah. circa 1947, and you might kick somebody's butt this, yeah. this day and age. But who do, you, who do you choose then in an organization to lead that, Kevin? Who's going to be the guy to do it? The owner's got to do it, or the GM's got to do it. Nobody else is going to do it. Exactly. They have to do it, and they have to have the guts. Have the guts to do that. Yep. Go yeah. ahead, Dave. No, guts is the key word. It yeah. is. They, uh, Ted, you mentioned uh, you mentioned Coos, and and I know who he is, but right. share a little bit about who he is to you. He's he, he's near and dear to your heart, and yeah. you may spend some time with him in spring training and talk. Share a little bit about what you'll do with him down there. Yeah, the Indians uh, signed Coos. I don't know how long ago now. I think he had seven years in the big league, but you know, he was a third baseman. Um, I think he came out of Nevada state or someplace there and very unorthodox, very stiff body talking about infield play, stiff body. Plus he hurt his back. So I was dealing with that a lot with him and trying to get in. How do we maneuver this guy now with a bad back? And I mean, I mean bad where we go out to dinner he can't sit at the table for too long. That's how bad it is. He's got to get up and walk around. Okay? And how he coaches now, 
he's, he's working with Oakland. How he coaches, I don't know. But anyway, Kevin was with us for a couple of years, hit like 400, gets traded, goes to the Padres, calls me up one day, and he says, hey, can you work with me? I said, um, I can. What, what do you want me to do? Can you come over here and work with me? I need some help. I said, Cruz, I can't come into your camp. I said, you come over to here. You come over to us here in Goodyear. Come over here about 4.30. We'll all the way off the field. We'll go down to the backfields and I'll work with you. So he would do that. And we'd spend an hour. I'd work with him on his ground balls and different things he was doing. You know, all these little postures I'm talking about. This is what I'm talking to Kevin about. Trying to get him to bend over at least the best way he could. He was a very accurate thrower. Very accurate. Kind of like a dart thrower. But everybody's different. So Cruz has, over the years, become really a good friend. Um, we talk a lot. Um, he, is, he just got married recently. He's got a little boy now, six months old. Um, he and his wife have stopped here at my house. They've stayed here. Uh, but he's just a great kid. Uh, wonderful, wonderful wife, uh, Sarah. Um, they live in outside of Denver someplace. And um, he loves coaching. He loves being a hitting instructor. Um, he loves the game of baseball. He battles it, you know, like we all do. But um, he's in it, and he's glad he's in it. And uh, how long he's going to stay in it, I don't know. But Cruz uh, is just a great person, a uh, very, very good friend of mine right now. I've been out to dinner with him and his mom and dad. And so it's a, a very, very, very special relationship. He'll have you down to spring training a little bit this year, maybe? Um, I may not go from where I am now. I'm, I'm way up above Sacramento now, so that's a long, a long drive. I used to be able to get over there from San Diego pretty easily. Um, but I will, I will see him in Stockton because he's only two hours away where he's coaching. He's, he's here in Stockton. When you did drive over, what kind of things did he have you look at? I just, you know, I, I can't go on their field and spend a lot of time with him. But like I told you earlier in this conversation, I went down there and I just watched all the young infielders that they had, and I like to see what they do with them. And they don't do any, anything with them. They <laughs> brown balls. That's all they do. Nobody talks to them. Nobody says anything to them. And they do so many things wrong. Oh, my God. The thing you have to understand, too, when you're watching somebody in practice, practice is nothing like the real thing. So you can have players go through all of these drills that you know of, Dave or Kevin. They could go through all of those drills. They're going to look like they know what the hell they're doing. Get them out there and start hitting them ground balls, and you'll see what they don't know. Let me interject one quick story here because uh, you you make a great point there, and uh, there was, I won't mention the name, but he's a very good organizational guy. knows all the details, knows all the uh, you know drills for all the players. So so he's like basically the farm director of this team, and he's running. You know, he's going to all the different fields in spring training, and he notices they're not doing all the things that they should be working on. You know, they're basically just you know. Uh, and and he specifically was talking about hitting, how they're uh, they were just jacking everything, every field, every guy's taking the same swing. So he went up to the nerd in charge, like the assistant GM or whoever was running the show, and he said, 
what how come we're not teaching and he went through some basics like you know moving a guy over this that like five six seven different things and uh what happens when you know we get in the postseason or whatever a game we got to win and we got to do that how how are we going to do it and you know what the answer was the answer was according to this nerd was we're just going to do it we're just going to do it they'll just do it so they that tells me right there they have no concept what needs to be done, how it needs to be done. And that's why the game is in such a, a, a disgraceful situation overall. And I have to laugh, too. One other quick point. 1972, you guys win the World Series against the Reds. Um, you know, seven games, I believe it was. But we'll never see the A's and the Reds together in a World Series with the way those organizations are being run. Yeah, exactly, exactly, exactly. Well, it's a shame that that's what's happening, but, um, you know, I, I don't know what the answer is. I, I have no clue what the answer is. It, it's amazing now you've got people in the game teaching uh, physical ther- uh, physical ed to these guys. They don't even want them to run anymore. No. <laughs> Jesus Christ. What? Come on. If I, if I could take my guys out and run them all day, I'll get them in better shape than, than anything you're going to do with a guy. Yeah, running is a lost it art. Doesn't make sense. Yeah. But Ted, with your uh, with with your book now, I can't wait till it comes out. I'll, I'm going to get that as well. What, yeah. what kind of timetable are we looking at? And then we'll make sure we support. You're going to have to be about six months. I have to get a hold of Jimmy. Jimmy Racon is the coach who was uh, I've talked to about it. He's the artist, and uh, he's he now works for the Reds. I think he's their hitting instructor. So. You know, the season's starting. I've got to get with him and see, you know, what's it going to cost me to have him do all of these individual drawings. Uh, I'm just about ready to send him the whole file that I have um, of these different pages that I put together so he can see what I'm looking at having him do. Um, I don't think it's going to be difficult to have him do these drawings. I mean, he'll whip them out in no time, I'm sure. Um I've already have him do. I've already had him do some artwork for me. I mean, he could take a photograph and, and literally draw the photograph. So it's unbelievable how good he is. I, I told him, I said, Jimmy, you you need to be an artist. You you don't need to be a coach. Be an artist and make some money. You know? <laughs> that's, be, that's probably great. less frustrating being an artist and being the hitting coach of the Reds, right? Oh my God. So, yeah. yeah, it'll be it'll be at least six months if it's. Earlier than that, that'd be great. But I'll, I'll keep you. I'll keep you posted. Uh, Dave, before you before you finish up, I wanted to. I, I just thought of this question, and uh, yeah. especially in 1972, you got Ted. Who was your favorite teammate on the on the A's in 1972? Oh God, you know all those guys are like family members. In fact, just ironically, you're asking me. Just last week, I watched the funeral for Sal Bando. Oh yes. Um, they had it. They had it uh, videotaped, and so, you know, Sandy, his wife, and his and his kids, uh, they did a great job. I mean, the speeches that his kids gave were incredible. Mm-hmm. And I'm telling you, Kevin, how how many, how long was I a member of that team and a teammate of Sal Bando? I never knew Sal was as humble mm-hmm. as he was in the way his Kids explained it. He got inducted into the Oakland A's Hall of Fame last year. He didn't want to go. Wow. He didn't care. 
It was no big deal to him. And now when I think back of Sal in the locker room, that is Sal. He didn't care. Let me play the damn game. But that's the way 25 guys were on that club. That's why you won. That's, that's the way they were. None of them had an ego. None of them. Well, one of them had an ego. Well, yeah, we didn't care about him anyway. So <laughs> <laughs> he did his own thing. Everybody. Yeah, and, and that's okay. That's who he was. Yeah. And, that, and we, of course, we're talking about Reggie Jackson, but and I know Reggie very well, and I've had many conversations with him, and and that's how I deal with Reggie. And it's great that he has his ego because that that's how he became the player he was. Reggie's a great guy, and Reggie hustled all the time. I yes, say that. Yes, he hustled all the time. He loves the game. Reggie loves the game. Yep. Yep. I don't want to end before you ask that that final question. Usually, ask Kevin of guests because when I think of that question, I think of this gentleman. His picture should be next to it. So I'm I'm kind of curious to hear his answer today. Yeah, this is a simple one. It's a simple question, but it's not an easy answer. But and answer it any way you want. But uh, Ted Ted Kubiak, what does it mean being a ball player to you? What does it mean? Being a ball player, what's what's the essence of being a ball player? And it doesn't necessarily have to be about yourself or anything like that, but just the whole idea, idea of being a ball player. What's it mean to you? Well, I discovered after many, many years that baseball was my calling. I never took to it the way I should have. I love the game of baseball in a way that is just so pure that I probably could have been a better player if I had some kind of, um, God, what do I say? If I had some kind of a better drive, maybe, to be a better player, and I don't know if that's going to even be the right way to explain it. I just loved the purity of the game of baseball, catching the ball, fielding it, throwing it, hitting it, being on the field. It took me a long time to understand that that was my that was my life. That's why I'm writing books now. I'm finally accepting at my age that I love this game so much that I'm now finally allowing it to sift into me and accept the goodness that it's given me. I didn't do that for a long time. Yeah. Uh, it used to embarrass me talking about Sal. It used to embarrass me when somebody come up and ask for my autograph. <laughs> Who am I? You know, I'm a little guy out of Highland Park, New Jersey, close to Rawway. Okay, like the game of baseball. Yes, I do, but I'm a I'm I'm a human being. That's all. I happen to have a talent. I didn't even. And the strange thing is, I didn't want to be a. Not that I didn't want to be a ball player. I never considered being a ball player. Never. I never ever ever thought about becoming a professional baseball player until I got invited to a tryout camp. And that's, that took my life in the direction that I guess I was meant to go. So here I am now at my age, doing what I'm doing and enjoying the fact that I was in this game for so long, more than I ever thought I ever would. Well said. Yeah. Ted, thanks for coming on the show again today. Uh, I know you listen, as you mentioned on the show, and I, I think I mentioned it to you, Kevin, Almost after every show, I get notes from Ted. He'll questions about the show we had, statements, and uh, I value his input. He's, he's a great uh, fan of the show, great mentor in terms of what I'm doing, and uh, I, I value talking to both you guys. And I got the 
kind of made my day yesterday, Ted, when we were talking, prepping for the show and uh, and trying to get you on. And I said, hey, how, how are we doing? And he said, David, and this was to me, he goes, you're getting better. You know what's good about your show? 30 years ago, I used to be able to find a station on the radio where the broadcast would be uh, educational. Yes. You know, they, would, yeah. they would interview somebody. I'd learn about politics or medicine or society or something. Now all it is is ridicule and snide remarks and everybody's oh. got uh, it's ridiculous. Well, that's what we try to do. We, I, you know, yeah, we're, we're, and I, hopefully we get over 12,000 with this, this podcast because, uh, people are, you know, I think this could be, a, this, this is a show that you can, especially for, and I've mentioned it before, but I'm going to mention it again. If you're homeschooling your kid, if you're a teacher, you could take out excerpts from this show and just show your, your students. Yeah. And I speak at schools. I'll be speaking at another one soon. Uh, uh, show them what the value of hard work does and, and what you can do with your life in different ways. Yeah. It's amazing. Nobody wants to do that anymore, though. It's amazing to me. I just I feel feel sorry for us. But you do yeah, I'm going to get in trouble with my next school talk, but that's life. Yeah. No, this is, these are great messages, and I, I agree with Kevin. It's it's uh, We're pushing towards that right now, and parents out there that listen, 11,700 subscribers right now are on 46 countries grassroots to front offices that's amazing. Uh, that's amazing. it's because it's of uh guys like you two uh keep pushing uh keep moving the message and and, and we'll get there but are there uh, any other shows that are popping up like yours i haven't seen any no i you don't, don't know no no well you know we just keep adding more shows and uh which are all you know fact-based you got to keep plugging away because it's going to take hold somehow. Somewhere. Yeah, well, you know what it is when you're dealing with, like we talked about, you're dealing with, with corporate media as much as you're dealing oh, with yeah, corporate media. Yeah. Very similar. So yeah. it, is, it is what it is. And, and we're giving, in a way, we're giving back. And yeah. that's that's what it's all about. And yeah. certainly you've given back to the game in so many ways. And, and your love for the game keeps you young. And it's always a pleasure to have you on. Yeah, well, I appreciate it. I love talking to you guys. Thank you very much. Yeah, thanks, Ted. Remember, follow us on you can get us on Twitter, Facebook, or Instagram. Continue to read Kevin on Ball Nine. Two great articles every week. Uh, they do a fantastic job there over at Ball Nine, and we're lucky to have Kevin on uh, founding the, these shows for us. And then uh, download, listen, like, subscribe. Uh, make sure you do that so we get those numbers counted. And we're pushing for twelve thousand. And continue to follow us and support all the other shows. Thanks again, Ted. Thank you, Kevin. Thank you, guys. Thank you.